0: Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website GirlfriendIt.com and the movement GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com
1: love is in the air and on the air today. Well, and I'm really glad we're on the air because you have been singing love songs like love is all you need, you know. And so I'm really glad it's it's airtime now. Are
2: you mocking me on my airy brain? Is that
1: I'm not feeling the love, girl. Okay, well, <laughs> hold that airy thought because before we get too far into our show, You are listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. Well, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Okay, well, speaking of love and appreciation, Girlfriend It has partnered with a dynamic ministry and group of girlfriends from Bloom which is a part of stadia and bloom provides inspiration, encouragement and resources for church planter spouses. So they can provide the same to their families, staffs and churches. And it is an amazing network of girlfriends that we have so enjoyed doing life together with, well, we get to have a special husband and wife team today. So I, I don't know if, you know, we're going to have to call Dave. He's a girlfriend guru or something (laughs) today, but he's, we're going to throw him in. And in 2004, Dave and Ann Milan moved across the country, far from family and friends, to parachute plant a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, One Life Church was birthed from that great leap of faith, and they have been serving there ever since. Church planning has been a wild, scary, lonely, blessed, adventure filled roller coaster journey, leading to a more trusting walk with Christ. Well, we want to welcome you guys to It. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we are, we are excited to have you guys on here because you guys are coming on as really a, a dynamic couple who, who has a, a great partnership, friendship, and you guys are doing ministry together, which is really hard, especially in the church planning world, to get in there because you guys kind of do a little bit of everything when you're starting a church and doing church planning. So in kind of keeping with the theme of the today, we want to know, Inquiring Minds want to know, how do you guys keep love in the air?
3: Hmm, Dave, what do you think about that?
4: <laughs> well, Good answer, Anne. <laughs> it's the safe answer, I think, probably. Um, you know, I think it's really, really tough when you're in a ministry where it seems like you're pulled in every direction, and it sometimes it seems like everybody wants a piece of you, and when everybody wants a piece of you, sometimes when you come home, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot left for the people that you love the most, and um, that, that I think makes it really, really hard because emotionally you're just exhausted, you're tired, and you really want to give the best that you have to your family, but man, at the end of the day, you just don't have it to give, and so that's just really, really difficult. So I, yeah, this is this is a huge topic.
2: Well, I, I, Lisa and I were just talking about this yesterday, um, talking to a, a pastor who was going through a, a separation, and he said... You know, the the one thing that I realized that we just got out of the habit of doing was praying together. You pray with all these other people, and you're not praying together with your own spouse. Um, Do you have any insight on that to to help our listeners in that area?
4: You know what's really funny? Um, I have been a pastor for a really, really long time. And I don't think it's been um, until maybe even the past, um, the most recent history of our marriage, that I have tried to make that a habit. Um, I, I just assumed that um, she was praying and I was praying and we were both seeking God together and that was good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, I I really have missed the boat on that because um, once I was really encouraged to start praying with my wife every day, um, and I missed I miss some days, but in my spirit, I'm really trying to make that an effort. I have noticed a union in our marriage that... It uh, really hasn't ever been there before. Um, and I, I think probably as a pastor, one of the things I struggled with was when someone said, you need to pray with your wife every day. I, I pictured, you know, setting up candles and having a worship session and then, you know, a two-hour prayer session together. I mean, I, I, I pictured this big thing having to happen. Uh, but then someone slapped me around and said, no, 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 no. Like, it can be like 20 seconds or 30 seconds just in the morning before things get going or at night before you go to bed and it really, really will make an impact in your relationship. And so um, here recently I've just really been trying to do that. Like as we get our, our, our routine, as we get the kids off, um, and then I show up and um, I, I, I cuddle my wife up and I say, hey, can I pray for you? And I pray for us, and um, I, just, I just say whatever's on my heart, and it just is about 30, 45 seconds, maybe two minutes, and um, it's significant, really significant.
1: It's, it's well, you make really such a great point that so many times we think it has to be something so elaborate. Like you said, I had to set the whole stage and have the candles and stuff, and that can seem yeah. overwhelming. Then we don't do anything. But it is just those simple thirty, yeah. you know, thirty seconds, two minutes, whatever it is, and it doesn't have to be this major production. Just something heartfelt and something simple to do, but just to keep, just to do that and to be engaged in that way, and it opens up uh, right. lots of conversation. What are some other, like, simple things that you guys have learned? Because the thing, you know, I am a pastor's wife, too, and there's some, it's, I think one of the difficult things that I learned early on is you try to put yourself in a mold that everybody's trying to put you in also, and there's no cookie-cutter approach, and there's no two families and ministries the same. So what works for one family and their kids, you know, having devotions at the same time every day? might not work for right. you, and it doesn't mean you' a bad parent or your kids are not, because we, honestly, true confession, we didn't have family devotions I think you're a bad parent. I know, and my, <laughs> you know what? The rest of the story is both my kids <laughs> and my and I, I know, thank you for that encouraging <laughs> word, but are there some things that you guys have discovered that fits your family, that has allowed you to thrive in ministry and in your partnership?
4: Well, let me yeah. just be honest. Um, me hearing people say that has, um, for the past 20-plus years of my life kind of been the cop-out for me taking lead because um, I would hear other families praying together or doing devotions together. And so I just would say, well, every family's different, and um, every family would have to do it differently. And though, though what you're saying is completely true, um, it, it became my excuse over the years, I think. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ann?
3: Huh. Well, I, I, I just know that um, us praying together has been really huge. It has been huge um, just to know at that one touch point, you know, sometimes it's in the morning, sometimes it's at night, that we're connecting, that we're on the same team, that we've got each other's backs, that we are, um, that we're for each other, you know, that we are, it's you and me against the world, babe, and then we can go out there and do what we've got to do. And I think sometimes couples lose that. Uh, another way that we kind of keep, things fresh is we try to do a date night. Now, there have been seasons in our marriage when that has not really been very possible because we planted a church where we didn't know a lot of people and we had a lot of little babies. And I didn't feel comfortable with just anyone watching my kids and I had no family and, you know, close friends. And so there were seasons where we didn't get a lot of date nights. But now, you know, my oldest is 15. We're like, hey, we're out of here, (laughs) you know. and, um, And so we have the opportunity to do date nights a lot more often or even just if Dave comes home and he's just like, I'm just done. I can say to the kids, okay, here's a pizza, put this pizza in. Dad and I are just going to go out, and we'll be back in two hours. And my oldest one will get the little guys to bed. And um, That's so we're awesome. In a, <laughs> we're in a really <laughs> freeing season right now um, because, he, you know, my oldest child is a boy, and the next one is a girl. So together, they're really great. Um, mm. and it's, it's wonderful for us. Um, but something that we do, and this is a Valentine's tradition that we do, and since Valentine's Day is tomorrow, um, we do a family, every Friday night is our family night, and we have really tried to keep that sacred because we know with all the busyness of church planning, and like Dave was saying, everybody wants a piece of you, um, we did w- we did not want our kids to miss out, and so, um, every Friday night is our family night, and this Friday night happens to be Valentine's Day, and so our family tradition is to do a family fondue night, so we, you know, the kids help, they cut up all the fruit, they, they um, are so excited. put it together, Yeah, our oldest had a chocolate fountain that he requested for Christmas. Like two years ago, we were like, why do you want a chocolate fountain? You're like 13, what do you want a chocolate fountain for? I just want one. And we use it, you know, and it's really fun. And um, that has become kind of, you know, the kids are already, what are we going to have? Can we have this? You know, and they help plan the menu. And really we keep dinner light, like chicken nuggets or pizza. And then the big deal is the dessert with the um, fruit and the chocolate and everything. So that's something we do as a family to kind of celebrate Valentine's because... When We first started planting. We didn't have budget to go out to eat to a nice restaurant, and pay a babysitter, and we didn't know a babysitter, and we had a table. I mean, we were just looked at each other like, "This is not. This is not worth it. We'll go out two days from now, and it'll be less crazy and probably less expensive." And um, and we just started doing this family thing, and it's become a big tradition.
2: That's so neat. You know, it, it's interesting because tonight, what we're doing is we're. We're taking another couple out who they're um, a pastor and a pastor's wife at church, and their kids are coming over where our high school daughter is babysitting their kids so they can have a date night, although we get the benefits of, of being with them as well, <laughs> even that to show, okay, we can all do things as a family, even when we're, we're serving together. And I, I think that yeah. is so neat to, um, when you are seeing that as a family and see that we're, we're all in this together and that, that's a great tip. I love the the chocolate fountain idea.
1: Well, it, it goes back <laughs> yeah, to, like you, know, right? yeah. you said, you just have pizza and nuggets or something. We don't have to make it this major production again. I think yeah. that's a, such a simple message. And it's because it's simple. And a lot of times, those limitations or boundaries, like you said, we're in a limited budget, we have small kids, we have all those, can help us to be the most creative mm-hmm. and, and create those great yeah. memories yeah. that you guys have created in traditions that you go, okay, even if we start having this huge budget, we're still going to do. Our pizza, nuggets, and fondue chocolate night. But I think it's so important to have that scheduled night. I,
2: I I truly, having that date night where you're putting the boundaries, the traditions are so significant.
1: Well, you guys, unfortunately, our time is is up. We want to thank you so much just for sharing because you've encouraged, we know, a lot of people, not just in ministry, but just doing life together and seeing how a partnership and a friendship and praying for each other and just in those ways yeah. is so significant and keeping them together. So we appreciate you guys and just uh, your cheerleaders and as you do ministry and in the trenches. Well, um, we want to close with, the, well, tell us one thing too. Where can, where can they f- learn more about what you guys are doing at your church?
4: Yeah, our church website is onelifechurch.tv and we're right, right here, grinding it out in Charlotte, North Carolina and um, really trying to make an impact in this area and in the world. It's just great. Thanks for having us on. Hey,
1: thank, thank you. you. Have a great day, and we're going to be right back with our next guest author, Rachel Howe. We'll see you
3: youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio, that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia.
0: Stadia
1: brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
2: Joining us now is our special guest, author Rachel Houck. Rachel started writing full-time in 2004 and discovered dreams are best realized when running in partnership with the living God. Her stories are filled with twists and turns that leave the reader breathless and longing for more. She stirs hearts of God, and she is the author of many best-selling books, including Princess Ever After and Once Upon a Prince. Welcome to our show today, Rachel.
5: Hey, it's good to be here. Thank you.
2: Well, Rachel, everything is a story, and I know Lisa and I—that's—we are all about stories. a good story. A good story. I, I mean, literally, we'll we'll even call each other up and say, "Give me a story. I need I need our story time." And um, we we crack up uh, when I had my my littlest one. Um, there was, at one point, I was going to tell you a story about a company that was, had just done these fabulous things. Well, and she'd things. been
1: building this up, like, all day. Like, I need to find a time when you can just sit and listen, because I have this story I want to read to you. So let me know when it's a good time. And so we kind of set, she set the stage, like, is going to be this incredible story time. So I get in this comfy chair. It's like in the winter time. I have a blanket. I have my coffee, because I'm going to have this incredible story time with Patty that she's been building up. Take
2: it from there. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Are you ready? Do you, are, is your ambiance in the right place? You have your cup of coffee. Are you are you rocking? And she was like, "Yes, would you just please tell me the story?" Give me my story time. Give me my story okay. time. And then my littlest one, I mean, all out temper tantrum started yelling and screaming. And I I'm literally telling these, this the story in like 2 second segments where I would say something and then I would You know when you're the mom and you're dealing with it, you kind of forget that You're being rude when it's a phone conversation and you're dealing with something. Then you're telling a story and you're dealing with something. And finally, Lisa goes, all right, I'm so over this story time. This is is not happening. So we love a good story. And um, it's interesting on your website, there was a gal, one of your readers that had mentioned – um, just your books and your stories, how she worked in a bridal boutique and after reading uh, your book, The Wedding Dress, how it literally changed the way that she was going to do her job and seeing each bride as beautiful and unique. And I, I just think that's amazing when, when a story has such impact that it motivates and it, change, it literally transforms the way that you're thinking and the way that you're treating others. And I I just got to ask you, tell us a little bit more uh, about that. Like, do you go into that book just praying that forward, that that's exactly what's going to take place?
1: You
5: know, I go in every book praying for God's heart, that whatever he wants to communicate through the power of story. And um, there's a great, great quote by one of the owners of the blog. She reads Ariel Lawson. She said, the story is the straightest way to the heart. And, Mm -hmm. And I really believe that. And, that actually, the, the outcome of the story is something that I think is unique between the reader and the story and between maybe even God interacting with the reader and the story. I was very surprised by that woman's letter saying, I'm going to look at my job differently because of the way that Charlotte in the wedding dress looked at each one of her brides as something unique. And for me, Charlotte was a picture of how we're all very unique before the Lord that we have our own unique stamp of God. There's none like you. There's none like me. We may have similar personality traits or similar hair color or eye color, maybe even the same name. But before God, we are all very, very unique. There's no one like you. There's no one like me. So that was kind of Charlotte's um, intention, you know, to show that picture. And, And I called it her superpower. Every character, you try to find their superpower. And for her, hers was that she could see find the beauty and uniqueness of each bride. So... Um, that was very powerful when that happened. I love
2: that superpower because um, we do have the superpower. And sometimes we just don't, we don't believe in that superpower. When you really think of like Ephesians 3.20 talking about, um, we, if we just ask for, it, it's more than we could ever ask or imagine, more than we can ever dream. I and mean, that's beyond superpowers. And so that's such a unique way uh, of saying that. That's, I, I like that.
5: Yeah, we like to do that when we're writing a book, you know. How can we make this character unique? Mm.
1: Well, you identified, when you identified your dream for writing, how did that come about? Because we're, we're kind of talking a little bit, you know, dreams, that's a conversation a lot of times we have is, you know, what is your dream? And we don't even know how to identify a dream that we have that, you know, something that's planted inside of us. When you realized you had that dream for writing, how did you discover
5: it and how did that change your life? Well, I always wanted to be a writer. From a time I was a kid, where I would, you know, I'd say that, but it's such a pipe dream. It's like wanting to be an actor or a famous singer. I think for a while I wanted to be a famous singer as well, but mm-hmm. um, my dad used to encourage me all the time and say, Rachel, you're a writer. And I studied journalism at Ohio State, and I didn't really enjoy being a reporter. I wanted to be a reporter. I liked photography, photojournalism better, but it wasn't my passion. And I graduated college, got into the corporate world, worked in the corporate software world which was also something, you know, I kind of wanted to be. I grew up watching Mary Tyler Moore, so I was the (laughs) single career career woman with my own apartment for a while. And I got married in 92, and a year later, the Lord um, spoke to me to quit my job, and I didn't say anything to my husband. And then he came to me and said, you know, I was talking with a friend of ours, and, we, you know, I think you need to quit your job. And I said, I do too. So on our first anniversary, I quit my job, and I just did nothing for a while. I just kind of had fun being a stay-at-home wife. And that's when I started being creative and started thinking. And Christian fiction in 93 was just coming on the scene. It was just being an actual entity on the shelves at a Christian bookstore. And so I started reading Christian fiction. A lot of it was historical World War II. So I sat down and I wrote an epic World War II novel set in the Aleutian Islands. And that's how I got started. That was my first... Attempt at writing and feeling like, wow, this is something that I think I can do, and that's going
2: to inspire so many people. That you just you have to sit down and start. Um, what what does Cal always say? You have to prime the pump. Mm-hmm. You just have to start doing it. My my daughter is uh, same thing. She wants to be a rock star, but her gifts lie in <laughs> in writing, and um, yeah. that's that. Your dad encouraged you that way.
5: Yeah, I, I would encourage all parents. I know your kids can be frustrating at times, but. Find that thing that they can do well and encourage them in it. You know, I think parents can see a calling on their kids' lives way before the, the kid can, the child can. So my dad just tell my older brother, you're good in business. You're good in business. Be a businessman. Unfortunately, my brother didn't hear that, but he is a good businessman. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, so many times we can't see in ourselves what other people see. So when somebody says, I see this gift in you, Sometimes it kind of awakens something inside of us to go, really? I hadn't really thought of that. And then when you kind of lean into that and give it permission to kind of emerge and kind of think about it, you're like, wow, I really do have a passion for this. And Mm -hmm. it it takes somebody from the outside to encourage that in you. We all need those cheerleaders in life to encourage, you know, the the part of our soul that needs kind of tapping into a little bit.
2: My 12-year-old the other day, literally, we were just driving in the car and she goes, would you just tell me what... I need to do with my life. And I just thought it was so funny that she. You was- love that, didn't you?
1: I will tell you what to do.
3: <laughs> That's good.
1: So, Rachel, as you're
2: writing, I mean, relationships and stories are so significant to us. And especially this being Valentine's Day. Um, what, what's some significant tips that when you're putting these stories together that you um, can bring in these relationships? Because, I know when I read, if, if those relationships in the, the characters, are, they really are developed, it, you're, you're sold out on the book. How do you do your research and, and are you taking a lot from your own life or, or what are you doing when you're writing? Hey, I a find that very
1: intriguing. How do you develop that character yeah. mm-hmm. and give them life?
5: Yeah, okay. Well, it's, uh, boy, it is. It's pulling all of your emotion and all of your own heart out and putting it onto the page, it can be extremely draining and but I'll tell you what, I, I go through a process, I first develop a character just like you would develop anything. How are you going to build a building? You start drawing lines and you start mapping out distances and you know wherever our support beams are and it's the exact same thing to developing a story. I think as creative people, authors, and musicians, anyone, they just want to sit down and just do it. I had this idea, I had this character in mind, And you occasionally will hear the story of someone who sat down and they wrote this amazing novel in two weeks. But that's really, really, really extremely rare. So I build a character. So so as I say for Princess Ever After, I decided that I wanted to have a girl who discovered she was a long-lost princess. Well, what kind of a girl is that? And how is she going to react to that? And how can I put her in the the most um, tense situation? So I would think, well, let's make her... Uh, a Florida girl, a southern girl. She's a redneck. She likes working with cars. Um, I always figure out what's some wound that she has in her past that still festers in her life that she thinks she's over, but she's not. And in her case, it was that her mother was killed when she was 12 years old by a drunk driver. So she was raised by her father um, and her great-grandmother, who was the princess before her, but she never knew that. So there's this family secret. So I started developing like what's in their past because a story is about something and about some ordinary person doing something extraordinary so a lot of times writers sit down and start to write and they don't really know what the story is about so while I'm developing the character I also want to know what is this story about and so that's when I you know it's just plotting and planning and building a character but to get to the part what you guys were talking about where you really believe in the character That comes with writing and rewriting. You have to really, and and developing those intimate conversations between a hero and a heroine where they tell each other their deepest, darkest secret that they wouldn't tell anyone else, or they share a happy memory or a happy moment. They share some intimate thing. And so that also has to be developed. What is the deep, dark secret that they would share that because they trust that person? So that's, that's really how you do it. And then once you've got that, they come alive on the page and they kind of start talking back at you (laughs) yeah okay well
1: we have less than two minutes before we go into a break but this is very intriguing so is that the where the majority of your time is at the very beginning when you're kind of setting the stage and and developing the characters is that does that take the most energy and time
5: no actually i probably spend maybe a month on that if i have that much time or i'll do research on various things like you know Classic cars and and I'm researching the whole time I'm writing at the same time. But really the the real that's just the bones, you know what I mean? It's like it doesn't really have any flesh on it yet. So I have to really write the story to see where it's going. Because always you're gonna write something where you say, Oh, that's good. I didn't plan on that. Now what can I do? Or you're writing and you're going, This is just so surfacey. They're saying the same things to each other, there's no depth here. I'm missing something. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's keep writing deeper. I'm not thinking deep enough. So really, what really drains you is putting conversations on the page.
1: Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Rachel Howe.
0: This is Girlfriend It on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It radio right after these.
1: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for Planters Wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Dr., Dr. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent Live, every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended the radio show on tokenet.com and now back to the show with your hosts patty and lisa
2: we are back with rachel hauck author of such best-selling books as the wedding dress princess ever after and soon to be released in march a march bride well we just have to say award-winning multi-platinum recording artist sarah evans said this about rachel I have become the biggest Rachel Hawk fan, not only from working with her and writing my books, but just reading her standalone novels. She is truly so smart, witty, and seems to have a direct insight to human nature and our emotions. She knows the right things to say that always confirm what I'm feeling, and I'm sure many, many others too. Well, Rachel, just even hearing how you unpack and throw all of these ideas on a page, and and I love that, how you said you're literally just like um, building a, a building. You're just building that character and, and plotting it out. Um, are you taking a lot from even just the way you were raised and, you know, how you grew up? Are you just putting – you said you're exhausted emotionally when you're throwing this all um, down on paper. So does a lot of that come into play from your background? You know,
5: that's interesting because at one point, I think I was writing Princess Ever After and I thought – there's no more of me to write into a novel. I mean, you know, I, 19 novels, however many I've had, I forget. I always lose count. There's nothing else <laughs> left of me to write. And I thought, oh, and somewhere along the storyline of Regina, I'm like, well, there's me. And Regina did live in, does live in Tallahassee, Florida, where I lived in Tallahassee, Florida, and uh, grew up around cars. And so in her middling with old, uh, filling with old cars was very much a part of my life in the past. But I think that through every book god minds some new area of my heart where i did not know that i had it to give so Mm -hmm. that part can be emotionally exhausting some books more than others it depends um but there's always some uh part of the author that comes onto the page either their belief system or their heart or something yeah so does,
2: when you're writing this, I know sometimes when I, I read a romance book, I have a tendency to look at my husband and just be like, I love you so much. Do you feel that way as you're writing where you're putting out these emotions and they have no idea where this is coming from? <laughs>
5: <laughs> sometimes. I mean, obviously my relationship with my husband uh, does come into play. Um, there's little pieces of him sometimes in a character. But that's where the characters a lot of times just take on a life of their own. Mm. They just, you know, when you figure out who they are, they say and do what they're going to say and do. And, and they kind of cocoon themselves into that. But, yeah, there will be, I'll hear a phrase or a saying or my husband will tell me something and I will put that in a book. I don't know if it's this book, Princess Ever After, or the one I'm working on now, but one time my husband was sitting next to me at church and he said, you know, whenever I find a scripture that I don't understand and I'm like, God, what are you saying here? He goes, I just think, put an X on it because X marks the spot, treasure buried here. Mm. And I think, wow, that's so good, but we can do that with people too. I don't understand that person, but I'm going to put an X on it because there must be treasure buried there.
1: Mm.
5: So I, I like to, I think that happens. So I put that in the story somewhere. So there's little things like that that come along that I that God will weave into the story as best um, that he can through my weak human frame. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
5: Well, you know, it, you're talking about it. Cause it's it, a lot of what, what we're kind of hearing
1: here is like the creativity it takes to, to develop a character to do stuff. So it doesn't matter if you're an author or whatever you're doing, creativity really is something that kind of keeps us, us thriving and going. And we know that we, we all have creativity in us cause we, have the image of God who is the ultimate creator in us. But a lot of times the creativity in our lives gets stifled because of an experience or somebody's voice has told us we can't and we don't. And so we, we just kind of bury that, like you said, and we have this treasure inside of us to create. Then the challenge is, I know with Patty and I is how do you organize your creative thoughts when you do get them? And remember, like you said, you know, your husband said this thought in church and I'm going to remember that and write it down. Do you walk around with like a piece of paper to, to remember those things. Cause I know my memory. I, I can't rely on it that much anymore to go. I, I, there's so many things I go, I want to remember that. I want to remember that. And I don't, how do you keep track of like creative thoughts? And just as you observe people, whether it's in the grocery store or something, you see something, you go, okay, that's, that's intriguing. I can develop that. How do you keep track of all of this?
5: I am one person who keeps things in my head, which the older I get becomes less and less effective. You know, I always would keep my schedules in my head. So sometimes I keep them in my head. But I tell you, this is the power of the iPhone, smartphone, tablet age. And it's so easy to tap yourself an email message saying, oh, add this to the story. Oh, and some things are just like the X marks. The spot was just so profound to me at the moment. It just stuck with me. Um, And one time I met a a kid, uh, I'll say a kid. He was a young man, young married man at a Christmas um, party my husband was teaching school part-time for a while and we were at the staff Christmas party and he wasn't eating food he was the only one not eating food and I was like what why aren't you eating and we're at someone's home the food was prepared in the home he said I don't eat food at other people's houses I was like what <laughs> and he goes well I don't know how it's prepared I said dude your kitchen's right there walk in and go check it out and he goes no I, I don't and I said well what do you eat and he says, well, I eat frozen food. I said, you don't know how that was prepared. Have you heard about those kitchens? And, oh, he fascinated me. I drilled him and drilled him until I almost made him doubt his own phobia. And my husband said, wait a second, this is the author talking. This may show up in a book. And I'm sure <laughs> that was so profound. It showed up in a book somewhere. So, you know, ideas, though, like character ideas, I usually write them down on slips of paper. I have slips of paper all over my Desk, and sometimes I have them all over the kitchen island where I've taken notes while cooking dinner. So, do try to capture them as best you can. Well, speaking of
2: cooking dinner, how do you, you know, our our audience, um, a lot of ministry leaders and pastors' wives, where they're just trying, they wear many hats. How do you organize all that? I, I I see that you're also a worship leader, you're a writer, you're a mom you and you cook, which is just amazing to Lisa and I, because <laughs> we
1: really
5: don't. Well, and, and go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing. I am not a mom. Um, I have other people's kids. We did not have children. Um, that's a whole God journey in and of itself. But I do have other people's kids, OPKs, because we were in youth ministry for 20 years. So I get that kind of harried life that can come with being a mom and I admire the moms who are in ministry and who write and have careers. It just blows my mind. But, um, we eat a lot of cereal around here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good here. Good to hear. Good yeah. to hear. <laughs> then we are kindred spirits in that. We are kindred spirits. Yes. My husband's a big cereal fan and, um, yeah, a lot of cereal. Although I do try to come down and take a break for myself because, you know, it's not healthy to continually eat cereal. <laughs> so I try to cook chicken or, you know just chicken and vegetables it doesn't have to be fancy well okay so
1: how does a structure i'm always intrigued with this with how do people like use their day because i can be a little more spontaneous even though but i want to plan i want to know that at the end of the day it was productive and and i you know i'll put some things down here's what i want to do today and i, I like to check it off but i also am one that if something interrupts it depending on what it is i'm okay with that how do you structure your day because i can imagine being a writer, there are deadlines that you just can't go, oh, I'm not going to write today or I, you can't miss a deadline. How does your day look structured so you do make sure you get writing time in and you don't like you don't let urgent things come in and interrupt that and, and get you kind of off of your your schedule your path
5: yeah that you have to plan in advance and, and the downside of that is you're always remember college did you guys go to college you know every quarter or semester you were had so much work to do, and then at the end of 10 or 16 weeks, you're in exams. That's our life all the time. You're, if, you do, if you do two books a year, you're on a six-month schedule, but in, in between, you're doing promotionals or you know you're traveling to conferences or taking a family vacation or whatever. And so you're always on pretty much a four-month crunch. So what I do is I look down the line at four months, and I say, well, if I write 2,000 words a day, five days a week, that's an 80,000 word book at the end of two months. So then I have two months to fix it and rewrite it and get my head around it. And so, you know, but you have to stay on track. I, I, I got off track with the current book I'm writing. So we're making some adjustments. But, you know, and that's why it's important to do your work up front, too, to kind of know what you're writing about. You really do need that, I think. And I know there's a lot of people who write what we call seat of the pants. They just sit down and start writing with maybe a synopsis as their guide. But I like to do a lot of the plotting work and I do a plotting roadmap, do a character roadmap. So I kind of know where I'm going. So when I'm writing those 2,000 words, which if you're focused, you can do in like maybe five to six hours. So um, it's it's not completely draining. But if you're on the internet, then it takes 10 hours. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you have to kind of know I need 2,000 words a day. And for most full-time writers, that's doable.
2: And do you have a hard time when you're trying to put that? It, it, and maybe that's what you meant by saying ten hours a day. Will you go into research mode where you think, "Oh, I need to go find out some more information about this," and yes. all of a sudden you just get caught up in rabbit trails. Rabbit trails, yes. Oh, the
5: totally next thing you know, you're shopping at Macy's online. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I know. A lot of times I'll leave. Um, I have two screens on the Mac. So I have a writing side, you know, and a and a internet kind of business side, and I'll be over on the writing screen and I'll think, oh, I need to look up that word. I want to look up the the spelling or I want to look up the meaning. I'm not sure it's right. Or, oh, I I need to research, um, yeah, gasoline tanks for old cars. And so I go over to the Internet side and there's an email. So I click on that and then I go over to Facebook and then I look at that and then I'm like, why am I over here? Yes. (laughs) Like 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I'm going back to the story and I see that word or that line where I don't know what I'm talking about. So, um, oh, yeah, get back to business. So, yeah, that happens quite a bit, I think, for, I don't know, maybe not all authors. I admire the ones who are so focused, but I'm a little scattered sometimes. <laughs> well, okay, we have less than two minutes. We're going to take a break. When you get,
1: say, stuck in a thought and you need something just to kind of a no-brainer thing to do, what, where is your go-to source for that? Is it you play a game on the Internet? You read something? You... Go into research mode. How do you get unstuck when you're when you're and get that creativity going back, or just to relax your brain before you
5: keep going back in? Yeah, that you just get up and walk away. Or sometimes I write blah 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 blah, and then I keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So like sometimes you know what the dialogue is going to be, or you know what the action is going to be, but you don't know maybe what the senses are going to be. Is there any smells or sights, or what does the room look like? Or what action, if, if there's a lot of dialogue, what action are the characters going to take in between each sentence so you just don't have talking heads? Or, so I'll write blah, 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 add senses here, add emotion. But usually I just get up and walk away. Or I know if I need research, I'm like, well, I better look up some stuff about cars or I better look up some stuff about rugby. I, my character hero Prince now is a rugby player, so I've had to do a little bit of rugby research. So sometimes you you just research or mostly you get up and walk off
1: (laughs) well and i i like your blah 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 and you know you you are not just giving us blah 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 words we're appreciating our our time with you we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll keep talking about the inspiration and characters and your new projects we'll be right back
2: That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia.
4: Stadia
1: brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: Are you happy with your life? Satisfied with the direction you're taking? More importantly, are you content with the results you're seeing? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join host Brian K. Wright as he talks to experts in many areas relating to life success, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. Each week is a dose of inspiration. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. Success Profiles Radio is a show that will clearly demonstrate the principle, if I can do it, you can do it. So don't miss this opportunity to take control of your life and your results. Success Profiles Radio with Brian K. Wright. Mondays at 5 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on togynet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with
2: our new friend and author, Rachel Houck. And I I said that like a Rachel, like I was from Minnesota. You keep teasing me. You totally did. You had that
1: Minnesota. I don't think you've ever been to Minnesota, have you?
2: (laughs) Rachel Huck, and we've been just talking off the air, so we've decided that uh, Rachel's definitely one of our new girlfriends, and now we we want to expand this for a whole day radio show so we can unpack so many things with her, but Rachel, um, how can people find you so they can play and chat with you as well on Facebook, through Twitter, and you can also find out more about Rachel on girlfriendit.com, but also where we can get your, your book that you have out now and the one that's coming out in March.
5: All right. Thanks. And I just want to say, it's been fun hanging out with you guys. You're awesome. And, we know. Um, we know. Uh, that, yeah. was Patty, that was Patty being humble. <laughs> now, that's Patty being confident in who she is. I like that. Um, <laughs> oh, don't egg her on. Please don't egg her on. <laughs> you have to live with her, right? Yes. Uh, yes. You can find me on RachelHouse.com. It's R-A-C-H-E-L-H-A-U-C-K, RachelHouse.com. And Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the same places, just, you know, .com slash Rachel Halk. So love for you guys to stop by my Facebook page and sign up for the Facebook chat party we're having on March 6th, 8 p.m. Central Time. And there will be lots of good prizes we're giving away. The grand prize will be a $200 Visa gift certificate. So you can purchase your own princess-like gown if you so desire. So that's yeah. one of the great things coming up. And you can find Princess Ever After and the second book in the Royal Wedding series, Once Upon a Prince, was the first one. You can find them at your favorite retailer online or a box store, brick-and-mortar store, we call them, and at Walmart. Princess Ever After will be in Walmart, so we're really encouraging people to check out Walmart. It's a, it's a great opportunity to be sold in Walmart. Yes. And, and then A March Bride comes out at the end of this month. At the very end. And it is a story that takes off from a princess, uh, um, excuse me, once upon a prince. So I, it's a royal wedding series, but I forgot to have a wedding for the hero and the heroine, (laughs) King Nathaniel and Princess Susanna in book one. So we gave them a wedding and a March bride. And it's really, really fun. It's really, uh, really a good story. Well, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing
2: and especially uh, just on Facebook. So people can be a part of that March sixth. Also, I have to backtrack here. You had made the comment about not having children. And I know we have quite a few friends that have struggled. And I know my sister um, went through all kinds of uh, just, you know, it's, it's, and that might not be your situation at all, but I just have to ask you that question. Do you mind unpacking some of that, of what you said, that you guys never had children?
5: Sure, I would love to. Um, yes, it is a little bit of a different story. I mean, of course, I don't think there's a woman out there, or maybe there's a few. But most of us grow up thinking, we're going to be moms, right? We're going to have children. I'm the, I'm the oldest girl of five children. <clears throat> I have an older brother and then three younger siblings. I babysat when I was 10 years old. Loved children, loved babies. Um, we got married. We were older. We were 31. We thought, yeah, if we get pregnant right away, we don't care. Pretty much thought we would start a family. And after a few years, we didn't have children. And of course, we're very involved in youth ministry, so we had the OPKs, other people's kids. And um, about three years into our marriage, I guess maybe maybe four, I was driving home from work one day. So it had to be maybe more like five years. And I felt like the Lord asked me a very strange question, and that question was. Is it okay with you if you don't have children?" Mm. said, "Huh, devil, get back! You know who who says that?" And but it just lingered with me, and I began to pray over it, and my husband began to pray over it, and we prayed over it for many years. And finally, one day, uh, a young man in our youth church, who whose mother was a good friend of mine, and he was kind of like one of my one of my boys. Of course, I'd never had this particular conversation with him. He's fifteen years old, so. But he walks up to me, and he throws his arm around me at youth church one night, and he says, you need to read Isaiah 54.1. And I said, yeah, the one that says, shout for joy, O barren one, because your children are more than the married. And he said, yes. And he pointed to all the youth in the room, and he said, look at all your children. And that was kind of like the last word that the Lord said to me about it. You know, like, yes, you're walking in what I've asked you to walk. And he's given me grace, total grace, But I'll tell you, the final thing that kind of hit my heart was a few years ago. I blogged on Southern Bellevue, and we were blogging on Mother's Day. I said, hey, guys, I'm going to blog about not being a mother because on Mother's Day, everyone wants you to feel included. So they say to all the non-moms, happy Mother's Day. And I say, well, I'm not a mom, so don't tell me that. I want to honor the true moms. And they say, well, we don't want you to feel left out. And I say, well, I don't, and it's not an issue with me, but if it were – Telling me Happy Mother's Day is this going to make it worse if it, if I didn't have children? You're just reminding me of my pain. So, don't say Happy Mother's Day to non-mothers. You know, just kind of be sensitive there. But I was so I was blogging on it and I was reading in Samuel one where we all know Hannah, Samuel's mother, was pining for a child, and her husband Elkanah says to her, "Am I not better to you than ten sons?" And just makes me weep because that is the voice of the Lord. To every woman out there who's not had a child, whether it's my situation where I was okay with it, whether it was choice, whether it was just infertility and you couldn't overcome it, the Lord is saying to you, am I not better to you than 10 sons? And that just sealed my heart. Okay, God, you got this. And so, you know, there are to- there's once in a while, like a holidays, you might think it'd be fun to have kids. We probably have grandkids by now, or at least older, older children. But um, some of our children from our youth days, when we were youth pastoring, they come home for Christmas and Thanksgiving. So we're truly blessed. Okay,
2: you had us on that. That was a beautiful story. Speaking of, we started out talking about stories that just captivate you, and uh, that was a powerful story. And stirs your heart
1: and moves Mm -hmm. you, and what a great way of positioning that and seeing that and being affirmed from God in, Mm -hmm. in that calling, and then being able to just inspire and um, it's convicting in a great way, and, and seeing yeah. that story of Hannah through that lens, and I always appreciated Hannah and her story yeah. on many different levels, but that is a great way to, to kind of frame it, so yeah, thank I, you for sharing that.
2: I have to tell you, Rachel, um, Lisa and I, we went to Africa and did a, a conference there, and um, one of the storytellers there had shared that story to the point where we were both looking at each other and just crying. I mean, he just had a way to bring these characters to life. And shortly after that, we came back to the United States and we had a women's conference that we had to speak at. And we said, okay, I just felt like God was really convicting us to share this this story. And when we unpacked it, it didn't come out the same way. <laughs> we laughed so hard at how, I mean, we know God used it. It was so not about us. We just needed to get out of the way. But um, it's one of, our, one of our favorite stories on, on the humorous side as
1: well. <laughs>
5: yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Apparently, Hannah wasn't our best story telling. Um, but you have, done, you have done very well. You and our kin <laughs> Have done a very compelling way of tell, like, talking about Hannah. So, um, but you know what? It is so true because God does give us a family. And like yeah. I, I well, my husband and I were in youth ministry too. So when you're talking about like this 15 year old and, and these kids, and now our, a lot of the kids, because um, I think we're about the same age as you, um, I, these these kids now they're grown and having kids, and and just to see. A legacy of faith, and just be a mm-hmm. part of their story in a different way. Though they're not blood, they're 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 of your heart, right. and it takes on a whole new. The the family of, that God gives you and creates in you is still just is still powerful and, and 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 significant.
2: Well, we just have a few minutes left of the show, Rachel. Are there some tips and tricks that you can give to our our listeners, just even inspiring them to follow their dreams?
5: You know, yes, absolutely. I would say the number one thing is go to God because he's the great dreamer. He's the one, he, he dreamed up all of this. And so if you're really wanting to know, you know, scripture tells us that our, our life is hidden in Christ. So if we're hidden in Christ, I mean, then we're found in him. And so that's the place to begin. And, um, or, or if you're already on a path, I just say, you know, open your heart up to whatever God would have for you. Be willing to take a leap of faith. Know that he loves you. He, I was walking into the grocery store the other day and I, my my gaze crossed this woman and I didn't even look at her face really. I just went, you know, how you brush past someone and the Lord said, tell her I love her. And mm. I'm like, okay, what? Oh, all right. You know, it was so subtle. I could have ignored it. And she goes into the bathroom. I'm like, well, I'm not going to follow her into the bathroom. So she, I, I got my product and she came out of the bathroom and I just said, hey, excuse me, I, I want you to know the the Lord said he loves you and she, her eyes watered up and she had had a hard 24 hours and she, you know, it ended up being exactly what she needed. And I think we all have to be confident as we pursue our dream. He's for us and he loves us. And so I would, I would just say, start there. And the other thing is learn your craft. If you're interested in being a writer, I would join American Christian fiction writers. I would join my book therapy at mybooktherapy.com to learn the craft of writing, Start meeting other writers. Start networking. Uh, networking is 60% of why I'm here. You know, 40% mm-hmm. talent, 60% because I met people and they pers- they promoted me. And they said, oh, meet this person. And, and you know, you gain a stellar reputation and then people want to work with you. So that's one of the great things about being in a writer's organization. So,
1: And that is such a great point because we do need people around us and we need to be pouring into other people as they pour into us. Okay, just one, one – um- one last question probably who inspires you what authors inspire you and, and not not this is not like a favorite
5: but who who really inspires you with their words well i would have to say my writing partner susie may warren susan may warren she's the founder of my book therapy actually and i read her first book it was a novella way back and it's all like underlining green ink you know highlighter because she was really good with words um lisa wingate is a beautiful wordsmith um Gosh, I'm going blank all of a sudden because I spend so much time writing myself and I, I peruse other people.
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
5: Um, I, I usually read anything that Suri Mitchell puts out. She's a great historical author. I just love her work. So I kind of just read widely to see who touches me in, in the moment. I used to read Belva Plain all the time. She was a secular writer and who's now um, deceased. But I, if I felt stuck in my own work, I would read Belva Plain. And she wrote these, you know, she didn't write what I wrote. She wrote these big family sagas. Somehow that always inspired me. Have oh. you
2: read Francine Rivers' uh, Mark of yeah. the Lion?
5: I haven't read the Mark of the Lion series, but I read her Mother's Hope. And it was. A, she's such a great storyteller, amazing storyteller. Well, you know, we just so appreciate you, and it's been so fun hanging out with you
1: on the radio, and and we're going to hang out with you on Facebook and different ones. We encourage you to do that, but we appreciate you sharing just how dreams really do come true and that God wants to be at the beginning, in the middle, and living through our dreams. And just the question we ask, are you partnering with God to see Him do amazing things in your life? And it's been fun just to see, um, Rachel, how God has done amazing things in and through your life and continues to do so. So we just want to encourage all our listeners, don't start dreaming And do allow God to partner with you and just see Him do the amazing and the remarkable. Thanks for joining our show today. Have a great day.
5: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended. The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.